Um, we're going to take a minute and um, today we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about our words and um, the psalm that we were going to look at has a lot to do with our words. In fact, um, how many words do you think people normally speak in a, in a day? About how many? A thousand? Hey, no fair, you were there last night. <laughs> around, listen to this, around 16,000, both men and women. Um, no, not much. Um, it used to be thought that women spoke a lot more than men. Nope. Not, not in later studies, it was discovered that we all talk a lot. So, but here's what I've been thinking about. Um, the topic of this talk is, what are you talking about? And so I thought that'd be a great thing to ask people when you greet them. So would you stand and say, what are the topics you talk about to the person near you? It's always like springtime, it's always like springtime with you, making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. This love, it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy, bringing life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. It's always like springtime with you, making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. This love, it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy, bringing life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. Oh, this is what you do. soft chairs, come on up, because I'm going to be uh, chatting with you soon. Um, I mean now. <laughs> so, um, so 
maybe because I, work in, I worked so long in hospice, I kind of had an interest in um, people's last words before they die. Um, and maybe you've read some of people's last words. I, I found some that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, like, think about what would be the very last thing you would say. Of course, people don't always know it's the last thing they're going to say before they die. But, um, for instance, the inventor, Thomas Edison, what did he invent, by the way? Anybody remember what he invented? Light bulb, yeah, look up above. Right before he died, he was in a coma, and he woke up out of the coma. He opened his eyes, and he said to his wife, it's very beautiful out there. How cool. I wonder what he was seeing. And then this other guy, uh, he's a writer, Edgar Allan Poe, he, wrote, he was kind of a sad guy a lot of times. He, he wrote a lot of things that were um, kind of downers. Um, but right before he died, the last thing he said was, Lord, help my poor soul. And I know that the Lord heard that, even with his last breath. Um, Oscar Wilde, right before he died, died he's a writer also, and he, he said, either that wallpaper goes or I do. <laughs> Which, that's my personal favorite. Um, so apparently, the wallpaper stayed. Um, Something I didn't know, um, Steve Jobs, maybe I'm sure some of you know about him, but I was really curious about his last words. His very last words were, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. You know, don't you, don't you wish you could have known what he, what he saw when he was saying that? Um, so what's interesting about today's psalm, Psalm 145, these, according to commentators, are the last written words of King David in the whole Bible. Uh, in fact, uh, James Boyce describes this psalm and he says, this is sort of like David's last will and testament. In his whole long life, what he, if he said these last words, they'd be a fine legacy for future generations. Because in this psalm, he praises God and he invites others to praise God also, all of us. So we're gonna dive in and read about David's last words today. And I'm going to ask for, um, for your help. Um, and so um, is there any kid, um, maybe under 12, who would be willing to um, read these verses that are going to be appear up, on, up on, the, on the screen? Anybody be willing to do that into the microphone? You have to say your name and then read the verses. Anybody ready? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Sammy? Um, Take the microphone, say your name, and then read the scripture for us. Awesome. My name is Samantha, and yeah, so I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is the most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. That was perfect. Uh, so when you look at those verses, um, how often are we supposed to praise God? Yeah. It, almost like every day. <laughs> That's exactly right, Anna. Um, every day we're supposed to praise God. For, for how long, guys? Look up there. What's it say? How long are we supposed to praise him? 
speak it out if you see it. Kids. Forever. That's right. And why? Why are we supposed to praise him? I don't know. Look at the verses. See if you have any ideas. Are you sleeping on those pillows down there? (laughs) Take a look and tell me why we're supposed to praise him. Just yell it out when you see it. Yes. He's, he, it does. It says he's worthy. Worthy and what else? Great. Yes. Was that you, Jessica? <laughs> oh, no, Jolene. <laughs> All right, good. This is a group participation day. So, you know, be ready to be picked on and so forth. Um, but yeah, so that's the idea. Throughout this psalm, King David goes back and forth between a call to praise and a grounds for praise. And what I mean by that is it's like he's saying, come on, let's praise God. And then he says, here's why. Here's why he deserves praise. Back and forth like that. So um, there are six times in the psalm that he says praise, 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 praise. But he also said, says other words in the psalm that are similar to praise. One of those words is exalt. It's the first thing that he says. Anybody know what exalt means? Yes. Aaliyah is, Aaliyah is awesome. Um, and um, so the idea is lift up. In fact, um, is there anybody like the little enough that I could lift them up? You? Can I lift you up? I don't know if I can get you, Anna. Are you sure? Do you mind? Anybody going to let me pick you up? Anna, get up here. I'm going to give it a try. So if I, if I do this, check out what happens when I uh, lift up Anna, okay? Um, where am I, kind of? <laughs> uh, okay, good job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, kind of, I'm kind of below. Just, you know, I mean, if I were really strong, um, it would be way up there. And the higher you exalt, the more you're below. And the idea of that is when you exalt the Lord, you're kind of telling him, um, I'm, I'm below you. You know, you're up here and I'm down here. You're, you're more important than I am. I'm, and it, it reminds us, oh yeah, you're a, yeah, I'm not on top. You know, we're in a culture where everybody wants to climb a ladder and be on top, um, be number one. Um, but what David starts off by saying, remember, do you remember what David, his position was in his culture? What was, what was his job in his culture? Yeah. Well, he used to be a shepherd, but this is at the end of his life. What was he then? Yeah, he was king, so that means he was number one. That means if he was king in this country, it's not like a president with the Congress and all this, you know, people getting democracy and stuff like that. It's, and I'm not going government. Don't go government. Don't derail. Don't derail. This was a monarchy, um, and the idea was that whatever the king said, bam, it happened. And nobody could argue with him. And so, um, so David, even though he was number one top dog, he was saying to God, he said, you're my king and you're my God and I exalt you and lift you up and I'm going to take, would you hold on to that, please? Thanks. Got it. Um, so, um, so that's the idea when, when David starts out this 
this whole thing saying, I'm going to exalt you, God, and lift you up. I'm going to lift your name on high. And that kind of reminds me of a song. Did you, does that remind anybody of a song, Lord, I lift your name on high? Anybody know a song like that? Yeah? Do you know? Do you remember that song? Come on, I got, we come down and sing that with you guys. You have mo- motions for it and everything. Um, do you want to come up on stage and sing that with me? Come on, let's sing it. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of the wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. All right, kids. Take a look at those verses that Hosea just read. um, And see, a lot of these verses... Talk about using our mouth to praise God. Um, We can praise God in lots of ways, but a lot of these things talk about using our mouths. So take a look and tell me what words you see that have to do with our mouths. 
Yeah, just speak it out and when you see it. Tell, Tell. exactly. What's another one? Oh, he stole yours, yes. Share the story, exactly. How, proclaim, exactly. Um, so, another one? Sing, yeah. Will be on every tongue. You guys got them all, nicely done. Do you have one too? <laughs> okay, okay. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, all right, so the idea is be bold, use your mouth, and, um, and that's what these guys are already doing, which is great. So my favorite in these verses, my favorite verse in the whole psalm is, is verse 7. Um, and it says, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. And um, this reminds me of a, of a job that I had um, I started out my career as an English teacher. I, was, um, I taught junior high and high school kids English, and I was also a speech coach. And So I taught people, to, kids, to write and to speak. Um, and, um, but then I, eventually I stopped doing that, and I went to seminary to become a pastor. And when I did that, I, I had a part-time job at a really big church near Chicago. And they hired me to do a little job called the My Story Coach. And so here was my job. They would tell me what the, to- what the pastor was going to talk about, the topic, and they would ask me to find a story from somebody that related to that and then work with that person to write a five-minute story, and then I had to work with them to, uh, to not only write it down, but then also to practice speaking it in front of people, not just a small group like our church, but there were about 10, 10 to 15,000 people there. So they had to get up and, um, and share these stories in front of all these people. So I helped get them ready for that, and I loved this little job because I loved hearing all these people's stories, and they said, look, this is how God changed my life. This is what God's power did for me. And so in today's um, service, I, I sent out a request to people. I said, hey, does anybody have a story? And I just opened the doors wide, and I got four people for today who are going to come up right this minute um, and sit in these chairs. Um, And they're going to tell you a little bit about their stories. Um, And I'm going to read you, um, before we do, I'm going to read you guys a quote from Charles Spurgeon. This this guy lived quite a few years ago, and... um, but he wrote something about my favorite verse, verse 7, um, about where it's the verb in Hebrew for sharing your story. He says the Hebrew verb there has something to do with bubbling up. It means they shall overflow, they shall gush with the memory of thy great goodness. Open your mouths, let the praise pour forth. Let it come, rivers of it. Stream away, gush away all you possibly can. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. Do not stop the joyful speakers. Let them go on forever. They don't exaggerate. They can't. You say they are enthusiastic, but they're not half up to the pitch yet. Bid them become even more excited. Speak more fervently. Go on, brother. Go on. Pile it up. Say something greater, grander, and more fiery. Still, you cannot exceed the truth. You have come to a theme where your most fluent powers will fail in utterance. The text calls for a sacred fluency, and I would exhort you to liberally exercise it when you are speaking on the goodness of God. 
So um, in order to perpetuate praise to posterity, in verse 4 it says that, um, that each generation should tell the children of the Lord's mighty acts. Um, we have some brave volunteers who are um, going to do that. Um, and we're going to start, who did I want? Oh, Wendy. Wendy, you're up. Um, I went to the Ellis's house recently, and I had so much fun. Um, really, I recommend to all of you to go to the Ellis's house. It will make you feel better about your life. <laughs> and your home. The cleanliness of it. So I'm Wendy Ellis. Uh, my husband is right here, Tobin Ellis, so you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, this is just a very small story and part of a lot of stories that I feel like God is weaving through my life. But um, I'm excited to share it with you. And it's God's story, so I pray that he would speak through me. Can I put this down here? Okay. So a little over 12 years ago, Tobin and I had the opportunity to live in Israel for about a year and a half. And we loved it. It was an amazing experience. Um, while we were there, we met a whole network of believers in the land, and we just we loved our time there. So after being back in the States for about a year, I actually had to go back to Israel on a work trip. And since I was going back, Tobin gave me a couple of missions that he wanted me to accomplish while I was in Israel. I wouldn't recommend taking rec missions from Tobin. They can be dangerous. So he had come to know a really sweet family in Israel, um, a man that ran a church, small church up near the Sea of Galilee that he just really loved. And they had really been on Tobin's heart uh, in that time frame. And so since I was going back, he wanted me to find them and give them some money. Find them. Sure. This is crazy, really. So I had been to these people's house one time in Israel, they don't really use street signs. I didn't have an address. This is the time before GPS, so even if I'd had an address, it wouldn't have helped. Some of you will never know what life without GPS is like. So all I knew is that this family lived on the south side of the Sea of Galilee. So yeah, that won't be difficult to find them. So I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to find this family. Like, it's impossible. I just. But sure, Tobin, I'll try. I'll try. So I went thinking, no way, but I'll try. Okay. So I was really excited to go on this trip with a friend from work, and she had never been up to the Sea of Galilee, which was my favorite part of Israel, and I was really excited to show that to her. So um, we had just landed, and we were tired and jet-lagged, but we set off right away to explore the sea. <clears throat> and on the way up, I kind of mentioned to her, so I just need to try to find this house. Like, Tobin wants me to find these people and give them this gift, thinking that there's no way, but it'll just be really quick. I'll just, we'll just try. And she's like, whatever, you know, whatever. So I'm driving, so, so there are very few things in my life that I remember very clearly, perhaps because I have so many beautiful children. But this day, I'll never forget. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though this was about 11 years ago. So we're driving in the car, and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to find this house? I have no idea. And I come up to this roundabout, and all of a sudden, I feel very strongly that I need to go left. And so not knowing where I am or where I'm going, I take the left. So I'm driving along, thinking, okay, where am I going? And then again, I feel very strongly, I don't know what the street name is or anything, that I need to turn right. So I take a right. And then again, another left. And before you know it, 
I'm sitting in front of this house that I think might be the house. Okay, so I wasn't sure, but I told my friend, I just need to go check really quickly. So um, I get out of the car, I'm totally terrified. I go up to knock on the door, and an elderly woman answers the door. I was like, oh no, I'm in the wrong place. This is not the right house. So I ask her in Hebrew, is this man, whose name I kept forgetting and mispronounced, is he home? And she started rattling away in Hebrew, and I start hyperventilating because I'm trying to understand what she's saying. And I understand enough to know that she says, well, he's not here now, but he'll be back after 2 o'clock this afternoon. So I said, okay, thank you, and I went on my way. And I think, well, maybe if there's time, we'll stop back by on the way back to Tel Aviv later this afternoon. So after going and exploring Capernaum and having a great time, we're heading back to our hotel in Tel Aviv. And I tell my friend again, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, just, like, just really quick. I just really feel like I need to stop again, A, to see if this is the right house, and B, to see if, the, if, he, if they're home. Like, I just really felt like I needed to do that. So she's like, yeah, that's great, whatever. So somehow, for a second time, I find the same house a second time. This time I go to the door and I knock, and this time a man answers. And I said, do you happen to remember Tobin Ellis? And he gets a giant grin on his face, and he welcomes me into their home. And he says, and I said, you know, you've been on Tobin's heart, and I'm in town on a business trip, and Tobin wanted me to try to find you to bring you this gift. So as I give him the gift in his home, he almost starts crying. And he says, you won't believe this. But just last night, our home was broken into, and they took many things. And just this morning, I was praying that God would send someone. And now, because of your gift, we can buy food for our family. What? Are you kidding me? You're right. I don't believe you. This is crazy. Like, this kind of thing doesn't happen. God had just very clearly used me to help this sweet family who lived in this small house with one child who had one toy to her name to provide for them. He helped them through me. He literally directed my car to their house to provide food for them. And I'm still in awe today of how God used me and what he did in that situation. That's all. And I'm sorry I cried. I, wasn't, I didn't cry when I practiced in front of my kids. <laughs> Crying makes it better. And then Hello. I'm David Galloway. Um, it's amazing hearing these stories about how God works in your lives. Mine started back in 1976 where I met my wife Leslie in high school. And uh, we were then soon married in 1982, and we've been married for over 35 years now. And uh, chronologically, uh, we got into the 80s and we started living the American dream. Uh, three kids, a house in the suburb, everything was going great. And we moved to Colorado in 1992, and then Leslie started having breathing problems. And uh, we took her to a bunch of doctors. They kept diagnosing her with asthma. And we knew it wasn't asthma because none of the inhalers and stuff would work. And so we finally got over to Jewish Hospital and they diagnosed her correctly with a very 
rare lung disease called fibrosis obliterans, uh, which is very rare. And she, at the time when she was diagnosed, she was about 25% of her, her uh, lung function was functioning at that time. So for all you kids, 25%, you think of breathing. She only breathed out a fourth of what you guys breathe out. So she was 25%, and we looked at a lung transplant option at the time. It really didn't fit into our finances or with three little kids. So then we move along to uh, last year, 2017, where in February she had a very scary episode with um, pneumonia, and her lung function went down to 18%. And so finally we said, okay, now's the time, God and we're going to go try to get a lung transplant. So I didn't realize how hard that process was until after we started it because it took uh, nine months through all the psychological, social, medical testing and involved three hospital stays and a lot of angst, as it were, to try to get her some help. And so finally in November, she was listed on the national donor list. And uh, so we are very happy about that because not very many people get second chances at life and she may have that and we thank God for that hope because I don't know how we would have got through that without us. And so every day is a struggle. Uh, my biggest problem in trying to let go and let God, as they say, is that there's nothing I can do. I sit next to her at night, just making sure she's still breathing, making sure that her oxygen is on, making sure all those things are, are happening, and um, everything's a logistical nightmare. Just trying to get the Dead Sea Scrolls last week, we had to make sure she had enough oxygen, and we had to time out everything. We had to make sure we had everything that she needed. So those things become a daily occurrence. So every day is like that when uh, we all take breathing for granted and for her it's a effort every day and she's only a hundred pounds and she's five seven and she's the strongest woman I've ever met so I thank God for that hope um, and the last Wednesday we met with the doctors at the cancer center and we they confirmed that she is number one on the list based on her uh, weight and size and all the other things that matter so we're now we just waiting on God to give us that call, but the reason I'm telling you this is because God is in control. We live in a microwave society where we want it quick and we want it fast, but God has his own timetable and we believe in that, and it's not something you can go through alone. It's not something, and without the help of a lot of people at the church and our small group, um, which is Lynn and Nancy and Bill and Rich and Sandy, Mark and Mary, and Marcia, of course, uh, they've, and Roger, uh, they've all helped us tremendously throughout this whole process, and I couldn't have done it without them. And a special shout out to Vince and Nate and the band who wrote a song for them last Christmas that I commissioned them to write for Leslie, and it's called One More Breath. And the, the lyric of that song resonates in my head every day. It's one more breath to hold you, one more breath to know you. And that's kind of the way I feel every day because I take every breath that she has as a gift from God and I don't know how to thank everybody for that. So in conclusion, I just say, just remember no matter the darkest of times, no matter how hard everything is, there's always hope, no matter what. And this is a word that doesn't get used as often as it should, but we truly believe that 
We are God's beloved, and all of you are too. So thank you very much. Hi, I'm Peggy. Um, my story is probably more relatable to all the kids. Uh, when I was about six or seven, growing up in Albuquerque, I was in my room alone, and I woke up to screaming and realized my parents were arguing very loud, and I was really scared. And <sighs> Darn. I didn't do that either. When I was practicing, um, sorry, I woke, I sat up in my bed and I saw a knight in armor at the end of my bed. And the knight looked, said to me, I couldn't see his face because his mask was down, but he said to me, everything's going to be all right. And I just, I felt peace. I felt like God had his arms around me and I just went back to sleep. And I, many times throughout my life, that time has made me realize that God's with us every step of the way, whether we know he's there or not. And sometimes when we really need him, he shows us ways through other people or, I don't know, nights. So that's it. Okay, I'm last because I have a little different kind of story. Um, my name is Lynn. And I appreciate that all you guys are not downstairs having cookies and singing. You're up here listening to a bunch of grown-ups. So I appreciate that. My story's a little different than most. And it's a little sad and a little scary. But it has a happy ending. So here goes. Would you raise your hand if you've ever felt sad? Okay, that's just about everybody. I believe that. Okay, put your hands down. Now, one time many years ago, I became sad. Super sad. It's kind of the, I'm never going to feel better kind of sad. Things have been wrong at home for a long time, but I couldn't seem to make them any better. Even praying didn't work. And gradually, I became sadder and sadder. And eventually, late in the year 2000, I decided that I was broken. Too broken to go on, kind of like a broken toy. Actually, the image I had was a computer screen, and if you remember the early computers, when they broke, they said, system error, and all you got was a screen, a black screen that said, system error, and that's how I felt about myself. I was just broken. And I decided that since I was hopelessly broken, it meant that God actually wanted me to come to him in heaven. Now that is craziness. Absolutely wrong craziness. I was thinking in some very unhealthy ways. But I didn't know that then, and I made my plan. But you know what happened? I work, who also went to my church, and I had had an argument with him several weeks before. And I decided that before I carried out my plan, I should talk to him and apologize. I had hidden my thoughts and intentions from absolutely everybody. Nobody knew what I was thinking. I didn't want anybody to know because they might stop me. Well, I found myself when I was apologizing to him, telling my friend what I was gonna do that day after I left work. That was God 
right there, opening, having me open my heart to another person. Now, my friend couldn't talk me out of it, but as soon as I left him, he called our pastor, who tracked me down, and long story short, here I am. Now, I know that God doesn't intervene every time someone wants to take their own life. And I don't know why God intervened in my life that day. But I firmly believe that he did. Someday, God will want me to be in heaven with him, and then I'll die like everybody does. And being with God will be super. But ever since God intervened in my life so long ago, I've known in the deepest part of my knowing that God is there and that he loves me. And he loves you, every one of you. No matter how sad or broken you may ever feel, God loves you and is always taking care of you. So that's my story. Um, actually, before the, when these guys walk down there, I would like them to walk through the front and high-five the kids. You guys give them a high-five to say thanks and good job. So walk through the front and high-five nicely. High mm -hmm. um, so the, uh, the verse that I told you was my favorite, verse 7, um, said everyone will share the story of your goodness, of your wonderful goodness. So we just heard a bunch of stories. Um, but then the second part of that verse says they will sing with joy about your righteousness. So um, I asked... Uh, Vince to sing with joy as we take the offering today and um, feel free to uh, the, the idea his song he's singing is called how can I keep from singing and when something is really good it's like how can you help from singing how can you help from talking about it how can you help from um, expressing yourself to others and to God so um, the um, the offering servers will come forward and um, enjoy um, Vince's song Life goes on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the sweet though far off hymn That hails a new creation Through all the tumult and the strife I hear the music ringing It finds an echo in my soul How can I keep from singing? Or though my joys and comforts die the Lord, my Savior, liveth. Although the darkness gather out, songs in the night he giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that breath. Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. 
to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All right, these guys are good. Uh, so how many Psalms do you think there are in the book of Psalms? How many chapters in the book of Psalms? Anybody know? A hundred what? Close. Anybody? Anybody know? What do you think? Even more. Hey, what do you think? More than 100. <laughs> Not a million. There's 150 psalms. And do you guys know what they used these psalms for back in the time of um, King David and all the people who were writing the psalms? What did they use them for during church, during, during their worship times? Anybody know what they used these psalms for? What? What? Okay. What do you think, Anna? Showing that God loves us. That is always the right answer. Um, <laughs> um, so the other thing, how about an adult? What do they use the psalms for? For singing. Yeah. They used the psalms. It was, it was their psalm books. I mean, their song books. So the idea was um, these songs, we're just reading the lyrics um, of a bunch of songs when we open the Psalms right in the middle of the Bible. So all of these were songs that David, so David not only wrote the lyrics to them, but he had, he played stringed instruments. So um, he had a band. He had a, almost probably not as good as this, um, but you know. <laughs> so, um, so this is, so what I think is cool is that people, when they look at the Psalms today, they still write new songs from the Psalms. And the verses that Emery just read to us, um, somebody took those words and turned them into a song in, during our days. 
during our time. And um, Wills is going to teach us the song. He started out the, the service with it, but he's going to teach it to you kids. And um, so listen to whatever he tells you. Do you guys want to stand up for this one? Yeah. And can you kids, can you see the screens? Okay, let's all stand up and worship. The Lord is gracious and compassionate Slow to anger and rich in love The Lord is gracious and compassionate Slow to anger and rich in love And the Lord is good to all He has compassion in all that He has made As far as the east is from the west That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us As far as the east is from the west That's how far He has removed our transgressions from us Praise the Sing that again.
The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. My name is Abraham. All of your works will thank you, Lord. And all in your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of your glory, of your kingdom. They will give explain. Ex examples of your power they will tell about your mighty deeds um, and about your the man majestic majesty majesty and glory of your Rain. Rain. Awesome. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. Woohoo! Thank you. Right on. I love hearing scripture coming from the mouths, children's mouths, you know. When David was writing here about kingdoms and generations, um, let me tell you what was happening in his life. What was happening in his life is he was old and he knew he was going to be close to dying. So he was passing on his kingdom and his dreams to his son Solomon. So he was, um, in fact, his dream was that he wanted to build this amazing temple for God, um, a place of worship, a house of worship. And, but God told David that he didn't get to do that, that his son was going to get to fulfill that dream of his. So David, in front of all, all the people of his nation, he gathered them together and he said some words to Solomon, his son, in front of everybody. He said, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. You thought just do it was a Nike symbol, but really it was David speaking to Solomon. Um, so little known fact. Um, now what I think is cool is that the psalm shows an expansion of David's vision for praise. Um, when we started out this psalm, um, I told you what exalt means, and I lifted up somebody. Um, it was Anna. Uh, barely. <laughs> um, at the beginning, David was saying, 
I will praise, I will exalt, I will do this. But now, toward the end, he's getting this bigger idea. Um, have you ever seen on like a cartoon, have you ever seen a snowball rolling down a hill? It starts out small and then it gets what? Bigger and bigger and bigger. So the idea of what David's doing is with, he, he's got this idea about praise where he starts out, it's just him praising. But then he says, well, now it's not just me, it's my son and then all the faithful followers of the kingdom and, and the generations to come and that even includes us. So the praise is like this snowball. The praise of God is just, it's rolling and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so David gets this picture. Um, and he uses words in these verses that tell us again that we should be using what to praise God? Our mouths. Using our mouths. In fact, look at these verses uh, that Abraham just read and tell me what you see, what words you see that talk about opening our mouths. We're on 10 through 13. New words in here. What are the words that tell us we should use our mouths in these verses? Thank, speak, yes. And tell about, exactly. Um, even, um, even the idea of, um, do you see any others? Praise, give examples. Okay, so all of those have to do with using our mouths um, to praise. There's an author named Brian McLaren, and he says, the recipients of God's grace should be the messengers of his grace. Um, when God is good to us, do we talk about it? Do we give him the credit? Um, do we talk about the Lord even when we're not in church? You know, just in our normal conversations. Um, good, <laughs> I'm glad. Um, so there's, a, again, this author I mentioned earlier um, named Charles Spurgeon. He's, he talks about how the government isn't going to tell about how God does these great things. He says, as the state cannot teach these holy histories, the people of God must take care to do it themselves. The work must be done for every age, for men have short memories in reference to their God and the doings of his power. I consider that one of the great lacks of the church nowadays is not so much Christian preaching as Christian talking. Not so much Christian prayer in the prayer meeting as Christian conversations in the parlor. How little do we hear concerning Christ? David writes, he writes, All of your works will thank you, Lord. Um, and another psalm says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So a few weeks ago, I'll tell you a true story about my life. A few weeks ago, I went and visited my family in California, and I have six nieces and nephews there who I am crazy about. And um, three of my nieces wanted to go for a walk in the woods with me. And we were walking. The, my nieces, those three nieces are 9, 11, and 12. And the oldest one, Cassidy, um, she wanted to play me a song, a song by um, a group called For All Seasons. It's called Clarity. So she had her phone with me, and she said, listen to this cool worship song. So we're walking through the woods. It was quiet. We were the only ones there. <clears throat> and we're walking through the woods, and she's playing this worship song. And all of a sudden, while we're walking along, we heard, true story, um, all kinds of frogs. The frogs started chirping and croaking and singing along with the music. 
So I said, to the, I said to my nieces, I said, hey, that's the frogs praising. That's frog praise. And, and they said, no, no, that's not what's happening. And I said, it is. I said, let's test it. Let's turn off your phone and see if they stop. And um, so she turned off her phone. All of them stopped. It was quiet. And then one little guy went, oh, you know, made one last little croak. Um, but I started laughing. I said, isn't this cool, you guys? All of God's creation praises him. And it reminds me of the time when we, we just had, when we were talking about Easter, right before Easter on Palm Sunday, and everybody got together and they were shouting for Jesus and they were saying the word, anybody remember what they were saying? Hosanna, that's right. They were saying Hosanna and the disciples were like, wow, everybody's praising Jesus. And Jesus said, if they didn't praise me, the rocks would cry out. Like, he's going to get some praise, um, whether it's from rocks or frogs or us. So there's a whole chorus and, um, of, of all of us praising the Lord. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And see, I, I also felt like, so we had four stories up here, and they got to praise God for stuff. But I thought there's more of us that want to thank God for things. So this is talking about all of us praising God. It's, and so um, I thought we would, um, it says all your faithful followers will praise you. So I thought we'd pause right now for um, a, th a time of thanksgiving for anybody who wants to say thanks to God for anything. Um, so you just pop it out. Um, and I'm going to start out by saying thanks. And then anybody who wants to say thanks to God, just speak out and say thank you um, and praise him. Um, don't let the rocks have to do all the work. Um, <clears throat> So, um, so I'm going to start us. Um, Lord, I, uh, I want to thank you for um, my friends and the people I've known who've served in the military. I uh, thank you that this is Memorial Day weekend. I thank you for the uh, men and women who have died serving this country. I thank you for my country where I can be free and where I can live a life where I feel safe and blessed. And so I thank you for, um, I thank you for Memorial Day this weekend and, and, um, and I, I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to take anything for granted. My name is Isaiah. <laughs> is this the, first? the Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous and in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Right on. <laughs> Tobin, all that scripture reading in your home is paying off. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> here's, um, in verse 14, this one kind of stood out to me. When, he, um, when Isaiah said, the Lord helps the fallen. Um, some translations will say, God, the Lord helps those who are falling. Um, and lifts those bent beneath their loads. Um, but you know, um, sometimes, if I'm honest, um, it feels like the Lord isn't helping those who are falling and those who are bent be beneath their loads. Sometimes my heart breaks for people that I know, friends, uh, family that I know, it just seems like their loads get heavier and heavier. And I think, well, Lord, um, what about that? Where are you? And some people even starve and die without being satisfied. Here it says, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. And, 
And it just makes me think, well, what about that, Lord? You know, that's, um, that's tricky. And when I think about that, um, the, one, the thing that probably comforts me the most and helps me to keep believing in the middle of this is to believe that the story isn't over yet. That's, that's my big theological nugget for you, is that the story isn't over um, in fact, many times I've thought about Hebrews 11 where there's this list. If you've ever read Hebrews 11, it's a long list of people throughout history who have amazing faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, all these people that are listed. But at the end of the chapter, it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They did not receive the things promised. They only they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So although these people didn't live to see the promises fulfilled, they still believed that God would someday come through and that there would be a happy ending someday somehow. Even David, who we're talking about today, he died without seeing the temple built. But he still wrote verse 13 um, that says, the Lord always keeps his promises. So um, the song that I was telling you about that my niece Cassidy shared with me and the frogs, um, I told you it was called Clarity, and there's a line in it that, I, that has sort of haunted me. It's a line that's re repeated in the bridge over and over, and the singer is talking to God, and the singer is talking to God saying, if it's not good, you're not finished with it yet. If it's not good, you're not finished with it yet. If it's not good, you're not finished with it yet. So this makes me think of, um, does anybody, any of you guys like superhero movies? Um, raise your hand if you like superhero movies. Like, I watch all the superhero movies. I mean, even the random ones. Um, so anybody have a, a favorite character, favorite superhero? Spider-Man. Awesome. I really like him too. Batman. Batman's good. I'm Batman. Um, Anna? Wonder Woman. She rocks. Oh, more obscure. Yes. So who's yours? Vision? I don't think I know that one. Um, so, so these superheroes um, with their superpowers... Um, when I watch these shows, what sometimes when I'm watching any of these superhero shows, there's parts in the movie where it gets really scary, really exciting, and where the, the hero is in a lot of trouble, and there's a lot of bad guys. But you know what happens? I don't really worry about the hero dying. Um, I just, I don't think, oh no, is he going to die? Why? Why don't I worry about that? Why? Oh, well, but, but why do you guys think, why do the adults think that I don't worry about that? They have special powers. Yeah, what else, Elijah? I'm sorry? The heroes always win. Because that's right, that, that kind of goes with the idea of I trust the writers. I trust those writers that they are writing a happy ending for me. Um, that they are going to say good overcomes evil and the good guys win. And I love that. Um, 
And part of God's greatness, his immeasurable greatness, is that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's so great that he knows the whole story. In fact, he's writing the story. And we can trust him to bring about the happy ending that he's planning for us. Um, you know, I, I, for an adult movie, I, I remember watching Shawshank Redemption. Can you imagine Shawshank Redemption when he gets thrown into solitary confinement and he's such a good guy and he hasn't done anything wrong and you think he's the hero. He's, I'm just, this is a stupid movie. I'm just like turning off this, this stupid show because this is a dumb movie. He's in prison. He doesn't deserve it. I'm just turning this thing off. But if you already saw the movie, you would say, wait, wait, wait. It gets better. It, like, he gets out. He gets free. He meets up with his friend. He's on an island. He has a boat. It's, it's really good. And so I feel like God is trying to tell us this. I feel like God and David in this psalm is trying to say, you know what? If it's not good, it's not finished. The Lord has more. Even after I'm gone, the Lord has more. So um, anyway, that's part of the encouragement of this psalm. We're almost done, believe it or not. Um, it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. I actually don't know. Um, but um, thank you for, for hanging in there with me. I need one more reader for, the, for this day. Um, oh, right here. Bring it on up here. <laughs> Say your name and read this scripture. I am Jonas Hilton. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who all call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. You rocked that. Yeah. These kids are all right. Thanks, you guys. You guys have been so fun to, to do this with. I've, I've had a really good time with you. So the cool thing about this, um, something beautiful in this psalm, is how many times David refers again and again that God is good to everyone, to all, to everyone, to all. Over and over throughout the psalm, he says that. And it's almost like David is getting this vision at the end of his life that it's not just about him. It's not just about his family. It's not just about his nation. It's a universal goodness that God is good to all of us and that he's close to all who call on him. In fact, David says, if you call on the Lord and you really mean it in truth, if you use your mouth to call on the Lord, um, he promises that the Lord will be close to us. He'll grant our desires. He'll hear us. He'll rescue us. He'll protect us. So um, there's this invitation here where, um, where David is tossing it out saying, well, um, are you willing to cry out to God? Are you willing to call out to him um, with your mouth? And so um, earlier as a community, we um, gave thanks to God, popcorn thanks. And now we're going to also give, um, call out to God for our needs for the things that, um, that are on our hearts, maybe um, things we're scared of, things that we're worried about, things that um, we're hurt by, um, anything you want. You can say these things out loud, um, or you can say them in your hearts too if you want. But the whole chapter really is about speaking with your mouth. So um, feel free, we're gonna um, open our mouths now and anybody who wants to can just ask a request of the Lord and um, he'll be near us.
All right. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. Um, so the last thing I want to point out to you guys, um, and by the way, I'm, it's so exciting to see that um, we're living out this psalm. We're not just reading it. We're doing what it says. We're thanking God. We're sharing stories. We're um, calling on him. Like we're not, that's the whole idea is that these psalms are not just supposed to be read and, you know, there you go. They're supposed to be lived out. And that's what I thought we'd try to do today. So something cool in the way David wrote this, in the very first uh, verse of this whole psalm, he uses the word praise. And in the very last verse, in verse 21 there, it says, I will praise the Lord. Um, again, so David bookends this psalm with praise from A to Z. And he writes this psalm in a clever way. He writes this psalm um, in his language, in, in the Hebrew language, as an acrostic poem. Um, <clears throat> he wrote that, David wrote an A to Z acrostic um, so that each verse begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, if you're an English language junkie like me. I just want to make sure that you know the difference between um, an acronym and an acrostic. What's an example of an acronym? Anybody know? ASAP. <laughs> yeah, uh, FBI. NASA. Um, just abbreviations for something, letters that form an abbreviation. But an acrostic is actually a style of writing. An acrostic takes the first word or letter in each line to spell out a message or a sentence or even just the alphabet. So I wanted to show you some examples of acrostics. Um, take a look. Vince found this one for me. Check this one out up here. Um, do you see the acrostic? What's it spell? Waves, yeah, you got it. Washing ashore, volumes of water, ebb and flow on sandy beaches. Ah, ah waves. See how clever that is? Now, here's another one that um, you kids might appreciate. Um, do you see what the word is spelling out? <laughs> it says, I put it down, pick it up, habitual over and over, not even knowing why. iPhone. Um, <clears throat> So um, that's the idea of what an acrostic is. And um, since David wrote this psalm, the whole psalm, as an acrostic praise to the Lord, I thought we could do the same thing today. Um, so um, here's the idea. Um, when you come forward and take communion in just a, a couple minutes, um, you'll take communion from either side, and then there are tables to either, either side here. Um, on the tables, there are A to Z um, papers. And if you think of something about God um, that is one of those letters, just fill one in after you take communion before you sit down. Then I'm going to read them, so try to write legibly. Um, I'm going to read those things afterwards so we can see, and we're going to try to get between all the papers, I'll try to at least get an A to Z from all of them. Um, so, um, so that's, <clears throat> anybody have any questions? Does that make sense? We're making an acrostic. It's going to be awesome. Um, <clears throat> so um, the other thing I wanted to, to tell you that I think is pretty cool is back in verse 3, David in verse 3 said, no one can measure God's greatness. And I like that picture. No one can. He's so great. You can't, he's, you can't even measure how great he is. Um, and when David wrote that, he didn't even know the greatest thing that God would ever do. Because the greatest thing that God did was when God so loved the world, 
what happened after that? That he, yes. That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So when David wrote this stuff about how great God was, he didn't even know. He didn't even know how great it was gonna be. In fact, um, there's a scripture in Corinthians that I like that says, um, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived the things that God has planned for those who love him. And so, um, so we're gonna come forward and, and remember, as you come to take communion today, um, I invite you to be filled with the body and blood of Jesus, but also to be filled with praise and um, let it overflow. So would you pray with me? Lord, um, my friend last night made me laugh because he said at the beginning of the service, I just wasn't feeling it. And, um, and I thought, I know, what, I know what that feels like. You know, just like, well, I don't know, I'm not really feeling the praise. Um, but I thank you that your spirit that's here among us stirs that praise up stirs that praise in our hearts and I pray that you would keep stirring that in us and that we would keep remembering what Jesus has done keep talking about it and um, just be grateful we remember you and we bless you Lord Jesus um, for loving us for dying on the cross for us um, for giving your life so we could have life in you amen um, the dark cups are wine and the light cups are juice um, and they're all the blood and body of Jesus. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart. So
and all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will all of them um, just now like okay thanks um, I know there's probably more you could write I'm gonna see what we've got and I'm gonna fill in any blanks that are missing um, so I've got your praise here oh I need a pen too thanks Mary and by the way in case I forget um, Mary and Nick are here to pray if anybody wants prayer afterwards um, <clears throat> but <I'd clears throat> I found a cool quote, from, uh, this last quote from Charles Spurgeon um, that I really like. And he says, um, I think I would have liked this guy. He says, whatever others may do, I will not be silent in the praise of the Lord. What other, whatever others may speak upon, my topic is fixed once for all. I will speak the praise of Jehovah. I am doing it, and I will do it as long as I breathe. Um, Bam, mic drop, right? <laughs> I like that. So um, I'm going to compile what you've got for the, all the way through the alphabet, see what we've got. So for A, um, and this is your praise to the Lord that we'll, we'll, we'll use in close, um, and it's beautiful to his ears. He loves to hear this. This is all true about God. So God is amazing, awesome, 
Those are the A's. Oh, and awe-inspiring. Those are the A's. We got three A's. That's pretty good. Um, f- oh, for B, he is our beloved and he's our breath. I like that. Um, for the C's, he's compassionate. Somebody learned the song today. That's good. Best way to learn scripture is by singing a song about it. For D, um, oh, we're missing a D. Anybody got a D out there for the Lord? He is. He's delightful. He is delightful. He's not just dutiful. He's delightful. Um, For E's, he is everlasting life. Um, For F, he's faithful and forgiving. For G, he's great. For H, well, you'll have to tell me. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Way to get the band involved, right? He's holy. Um, And for I, he is impressive. Well done, Greg. Nice. And inspiring. Ooh, nice one over here. A little shout out. Um, Inspiring. Um, For J, he's just and joyous. For K, he's king of kings. Bam. I like that. Um, L, he's Lord of Lords, and he's loving. Um, M, he's merciful. For N, he's never failing, never ending love, never giving up. I like that too. O, is, he is omnipresent and also omnipresent. Original. Ah, he is original. That's right. That's a good one. Um, For P, he is present with me always. He is praiseworthy. Um, As expected, the Q is the, oh wait, quietly listening for your voice. Okay? He quietly listens to our voice. That's good. Somebody tackled the Q. Way to go. for R, he is respectful, responsive. For S, he is salvation. He is strong. He's spectacular. Right on. Who put spectacular? Yeah, go Kareen. <laughs> um, so for, for T, he is truth. And, he, um, and it says tell. And that's good, because that means you're listening to what my point of my sermon is. Um, for you, he is, um, you're going to have to tell me. Unstoppable. Ooh, unstoppable. And universal. Who said that? Bam, Jim in the back. Um, unthwartable. Um, how about V? Uh, let's see, we've got, <laughs> he's vivacious. Who said that? Right on, right on. I love that. He's vivacious, full of life. Viv. Um, W, he is wonderful. He is wonder. Um, X, he's excellent. He's xenophilic, which (laughs) I'm not sure what xenophilic is. Does that mean he's afraid of strangers? No, that's... (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> okay. Is that what you put? Okay. So he's not afraid of strangers. He loves strangers. That's, I like that. Um, and then Y, he is uh, he's Yahweh. And uh, Z, he is zealous. And um, listen to all that praise. Um, don't you think the Lord loves to hear that from your mouths? He does. He does. So um, go from this place with praise in your mouths. In Christ's name, amen.